Power Radio presents Out of the Fog. Join intuitive guide and spiritual teacher Karen Hager for lively, positive conversation with lightworkers, healers, and dynamic wisdom keepers. Get ready for inspiration and connection. This is Out of the Fog on Empower Radio. Here's your host, Karen Hager. Hello and welcome to Out of the Fog. I'm Karen Hager. Each week at this time, we gather for spiritual conversation with enlightening guests, and I'm glad you're here. We're always having conversations with ourselves, and sometimes that inner voice we hear can fill us with doubt and discouragement. It can kind of tear us down. Well, Christina Reeves is my guest today, and she believes that that voice comes from hidden pre-recorded belief systems that are imprinted on our subconscious minds. She'll share some tools today to help us harness the power of the brain's neuroplasticity and break free from negative thinking. Are you ready to meet her? Christina Reeves is a holistic life coach, energy psychologist, author, speaker, and facilitator. She offers clinics, trainings, workshops, seminars, and lectures in North America and all around the world. Her new book, co-authored with Demetrios Spanos, is The Mind is the Map, Awareness is the Compass, and Emotional Intelligence is the Key to Living Mindfully from the Heart. You can find out more about Christina and her work at themindisthemap.com. Christina, welcome to Out of the Fog. Thank you, Karen, and thank you for having me on the show. I love your program. Well, thank you. I'm glad you're here. We all are having conversations with ourselves all the time. What made you decide to write this book? Who's this for? You know, it's for everyone. We all have that inner voice, and sometimes it's nice to us, and sometimes it's not so nice to us. (laughs) And in my studies and working with many others over the last 15 years, I clearly understood that others didn't know, the people I was working with didn't know the workings of the mind, the biology of the mind, and uh, why we do what we do and why we keep doing what we do, even though we know it's not good for us or healthy for us. There's there's a lot of um, self-help books out there, but nobody really was pulling it all together. And this book came together for Dimitri and myself on a personal journey. And uh, every tool in this book is something that I used myself and uh, helped me in creating the book. I think I had about 13 boxes worth of journals in a two-year inner work period. And I decided to pull it all together with Dimitri and uh, put it in a book form. You know, most of us would like happier, healthier, and uh, more harmonious realities. But in order to improve our reality, we really must understand the mechanisms of its creation. You know, we go around life thinking things just simply happen in our life, or we just feel this way or that way, you know, happy or not happy. But very few of us actually investigate how our reality was created. And that's the main reason why we wrote the book. So there's... That idea that, and I just, I teased that just a little bit at the beginning, that that negative voice comes from patterns that are in co- almost like woven in to our sub- subconscious minds. How do we, how do we wriggle? Fr- I mean, if it's there and it's encoded there, how do we wriggle free from it? Well, you know, we have to understand that we didn't write that 
there. You know, we call that the writing on the wall. We create our reality by the way we interpret and we react to events uh, in our life. It's our belief system that actually creates our reality. And our belief system are, is programmed very early in life. Everything is about perspective. What we see is not in the data. It's how we interpret the data. So, for example, uh, from very, very young ages, we were from two years old, from zero to two years old, we were in a mind state that um, is called Delta, and it's sleeping unconscious, and that's a programmable state. And then from two to six years old, we move into the primary frequency rate of Delta, or Theta, and that's an imaginary imagination. It's sort of a reverie state. And these predominant delta and theta activities that we expressed when we were young, uh, this is coming from what we call the writing on the wall. These states are, we come into this world with, a, I would say, an operating system. Uh, we can breathe, you know, we're, we're mobile, we can move around, we can see, we can do different things, but we have no database. Absolutely no database. These uh, brain states that we go through early in our life are a logical necessity during the formation stages of our life. The mind can't operate from a blank slate, so it requires this database of learned perceptions. And that's really what it is, you know. Um, our, but there's... A, there's no, the subconscious mind controls every behavior that's not attended to by the conscious mind, which is just about everything that happens in life. But that down, those download states that we just talked about, they were indiscriminately downloaded through our environment into our subconscious by our loving caregivers. And there's no shame or blame there because they too were downloaded, you know, in the era in which they grew up in and things get passed from era to era to era. How many times have we all said to ourselves, for example, oh, I'll never be like my mother. And then as we grow up, something that our mother said just comes flipping out of our <laughs> mouth. And we go, oh my God, that was my mom, that wasn't me. You know? And uh, so most of the time, the subconscious mind is controlling every single behavior that's not attended to by the conscious mind, which is just about everything that's happening in present time. And there's a reason for that. When you look at the bandwidth, let's go back to the computer analogy. When we look at the bandwidth of the subconscious mind, it can process over 40 million nerve impulses per second. Okay. Mm -hmm. The conscious mind can only process 40. So if you were in a race, who's going to win? <laughs> the subconscious mind is controlling 95% of our lives, you know, just about everything that's happening in present time. For most of us, the conscious mind is so preoccupied with the past or the future or some imaginary problem that we tend to leave the day-to-day, moment-to-moment tasks to the subconscious mind. We regulate them over there. Uh, the new science, neuroscientists have concluded that the conscious mind contributes only 5% of our cognitive activity. So that means you've got a five-year-old driving your bus, right? <laughs> I mean, and 
all these things that we hear in our critical our critical voice, for example, might say something like, Oh, you're never gonna be able to do this, you're not good enough to do that, or you're not good enough at math. This could be a teacher, could be a parent, it could be somebody in Sunday school. But you know, they these these thoughts and these beliefs were written on our wall, and more often they were said to us as children between the ages of zero and seven years old, actually. It becomes etched. It can become actually etched into uh, those neural pathways, which is what we're talking about here. These are templates on the uh, subconscious mind. We call them neural, neural pathways. So who controls those subconscious programs? Well... There's no entity in there. You know, it's the mind, not the brain, that tells the body what to do. Mm-hmm. We can stand there and we can try to self-talk using reason to communicate with and to change our subconscious. And it's just going to have the same effect as if we were standing there banging on a jukebox to play a certain song. <laughs> it's not going to happen. So in either case, there's no entity or component within the mechanism that's going to respond to our dialogue. So um, now, to we can use. Do you have a question, or do you want me to? I, well, what I'm thinking about is, I well, I don't want it to be that way. I <laughs> I want to know what's in my subconscious mind, and I want to make better choices, and I don't want to be triggered, right? So that I mean, that's what I'm thinking. Is you and I and I hear it. It sounds like it's a race I can't quite win, and yet I know from reading the book that there are practices and there are tools and there are ways of shifting my awareness so that I can start to to shift those 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 patterns, those things that might seem like they're set in stone. So is that right? Yes, absolutely. Here we are, the critical voice and the writing on our wall. You know, Karen, there's no longer any doubt about this strong connection between what's written on our wall and the way life shows up for us. Science is telling us this all over the place. We even can figure this out ourselves sometimes. But what's really... Uh, what we can use the critical voice to tell us what's written on the wall. You know, remember we create our own reality based on what's written on those walls. I think that uh, statement should be tattooed on the inside of our eyelids. We all tend to ignore that. <laughs> okay, so your the writing on the wall is your most prominent advisor, and we consult it all day long for two reasons. Number one, the subconscious will go there looking for a template in every single experience we have. Okay, it's looking for the how-to or what should what we should do now. It's looking for do we do that or do we do this? You know, it's all there. Everything we've ever held to be true or everything we think we believe is written on those walls. So we have to ask ourselves, who's the voice we most listen to in a day? Is it our partner? Is it our child? Is it the boss? Nope. For most of us, the voice we listen to is our own. And when that voice is critical, as it often is, and it says things like you're not good enough or, you know, they'll find you out or no one could love you, you know, if you recognize any of these voices, you know, then we know that that's the writing on our wall. So the critical voice has an upside to it. You know, it may sound like it's negative, but really it's trying to help us. It's trying to help us by telling us what's written on the wall. 
you know, um, the voice is expressing to us. So we do need to, although we don't need to believe it, we do need to pay, and we shouldn't believe it, we do need to pay attention to it because it's coming directly off the wall. Mm -hmm. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, you know, those the thoughts that are written on the wall and the beliefs are being expressed to us in the form of this recurring critical voice, you know, and we don't, uh, it's there constantly and we really don't want to um, build its neural muscle. Okay. But the good news is that once you understand what it said, uh, you can get busy at um, tearing it apart when we don't use a network or a neural pathway. It simply withers away. The brain does this all by itself. Billions of neurons get busy tearing apart a network that seems to be no longer needed. So we can rewire ourselves. You know, the new science of neuroplasticity tells us this. We can rewire ourselves, and we do without even knowing it, on a constant basis based on what we pay attention to. So when we stop paying attention to the critical voice and we actually try to connect it to what's written on the wall and what belief is behind that, we can actually change the connections in our brain. You know, another bit of good news is that um, on average, we have 10 times as many neural bundles going from the brain, from our brains to our senses, as we do from our senses to our brains. So we really can turn this around. We're uh, telling our senses what information we want them to collect, you know. <sighs> the, we imagine the world as we see it. Uh, we don't. We see the world as we are. You know, it's just <sighs> that. So when we stop hearing the voice saying, I'm not good enough, we change the way our brain sends the messages to those senses to go look for evidence to prove that. And when the critical voice reveals itself in our self-discovery work and it's looking for connections to some core issues, the question we need to ask ourselves is, what does that feeling remind me of? When have I had this feeling before? And what was my experience when I had that? So, you know how we all get triggered, Karen? Well, other, not me ever. And we all get triggered, okay? Right. Okay. So what happens here is we get to, when the when the mind stores the information. Okay, so we had the experience. Let's say we had the experience at four years old. Okay, new quantum physics tells us, and quantum mechanics tells us a little different story. Not only does the memory of the experience get stored, but any emotions we felt as a child surrounding that experience or as a result of that experience gets bundled with it. And also, any childhood, um, any childhood conclusions we came to at that time, it's all bundled together. So when we bring it into the RAM to work with it, and by the time we send it back to the ROM, it's got a lot more stuff attached to it. Okay. So when we get triggered again, maybe we're 25 years old and something happens and it reminds us or it reminds the subconscious mind, oh, there it is. And that's what we do. So we go about doing that. But uh, what's also going to come up for you is any of those emotions that you felt as the four-year-old and any of the childhood conclusions that you came to as the Mm four-year-old. So you see how this doesn't work for us? Right. Of course not. Yeah, oh of course goodness. that's not working for us, you know. So um, 
<laughs> we do need, but no one's taught us this. I know it's a lot of new science, you know, but for me, I think this stuff should be taught in school. It should be taught at a grade school level so we can develop emotional intelligence, you know, but it's not. Many people have not understood the way the mind works and the way it stores information. And uh, so I guess what I'm saying is we experience our inner critic through the process of self-observation, mm. which, you know, really is facilitated in three basic ways. I think the main thing uh, to remember here is that people do what they do based on the writing on their walls. So what does that say about forgiveness? What does that say about shame and blame and right and wrong and good and bad? People aren't bad. Right. <laughs> you know, remember those caregivers who wrote on your wall, had others back through time that wrote on their wall. People do what they do based on the writing on the wall. We can have a lot of compassion around that. Mm-hmm. We can hold a lot of loving spaces if we just remember that. Yeah. You are listening to Out of the Fog with Karen Hager. My guest is Christina Reeves with Demetria Spanos. She's written a new book called The Mind is the Map. Awareness is the compass and emotional intelligence is the key to living mindfully from the heart. And you can find out more about this work. And there's a lot. We're not, we won't be able to even hardly scratch the surface. There's a ton here at themindisthemap.com. So, Christina, with that little bit of hope that we can build new connections, that we can shift our focus, we can sit with that critical voice and change, there are good practices in this book. I love the books that are practical. Yours has charts and it's practical. So that like gets a, that's, it's 10 stars from me. Um, it's, so the, there's a lot of tools in the book. Is there something you can share with the listeners that they could start to put to use right now to begin to kind of maybe take control is wrong, but to bring awareness to these processes and start to shift their focus? Absolutely. Many beginners at the beginners in this process of what we call self-discovery, they feel frustrated. You know, the answers are not always easy to find. My suggestion is to try turning the frustration into genuine curiosity about getting to know yourself and getting to know others on a deeper level. You know, play with the mystery and the wonder of all that is. And remember, this is just a process of discovery of self. You know, I know when I was doing it, you know, when you use processes such as awareness where you step back, you know, and you imagine the whole experience playing out on a white screen in front of you, you see, so now you're the observer, right? And you're looking at the whole thing playing out on a white screen. You look at yourself and you go, oh, my God, look at what I just said. Oh, look at how that affected the other. Oh, my God. And sometimes when you're looking at the screen, you'll say, you know, this isn't even my experience. I don't even why I jumped into this soup. I shouldn't be here. You know, <laughs> do it with curiosity. Do it with self-love. And you know what? Do it with a lot of fun and humor and laughter. Because it isn't that serious. You know, we need to know we want to live happier lives and healthier lives. So we do want to change our patterns. Absolutely. But we don't want to be hard on ourselves. And we can certainly stop being hard on others when they're running into their writing on the wall. 
And that kind of, uh, to me, what feels like a kind of a gentleness, a curiosity, a flexibility goes a long way when you get hit with, like when I hear myself saying things my parents might have said, or I find myself, even though I know it's a trigger, I know it's coming, but I find myself doing that triggered behavior, a little gentleness and humor goes a long way to raise the vibration and kind of get some, what I would think of as like breathing space between the trigger and then the behavior that acts on the trigger. Absolutely. Using a journal or a running journal is a great tool to record everything the voice says to you, you know, and remember that what the voice is saying is a good indicator of what's written on the wall. One thing I will say, Karen, is that you're not alone in this. And I think it's really important and it's an important part of my healing, for example, was to connect with others, you know, to be vulnerable enough to start a conversation with a friend or a loved one, sharing your experiences, especially with the voice in your head and the insights from your journal. And at the same time, do active listening with the other one while encouraging them to tell their story and how it showed up for them or their voice showed up for them. You know, discuss with your friend any missed opportunities to feeling things fully and how any needs or attachments or beliefs you might have had interfered with uh, uh, supporting that voice, you know, so we're not alone. And the last thing is celebrate your milestones, you know. Not too many of us have a very intimate contact with a voice in our head. And uh, by ignoring it and maintaining our habitual patterns, we are sort of, we're limiting our expression in our outer world by uh, not cleaning up our inner world. An honest examination of these recurring conversations and the patterns and the way they make us feel um, we need to celebrate ourselves, you know, uh, for having the courage and the honesty required to look at what lies underneath, you know, mm-hmm. the voice, what it's saying, and witness the discovery of how our thoughts continually create our reality. Oh. So celebrate constantly, creating change, dismantle the critical voice. As you do this, Karen, over a time, the critical voice will turn into this soft, gentle voice of your higher self. It begins to fade away as the neurons get busy dismantling themselves in the brain and you make new connections in the brain. And what you're going to hear is that gentle, soft, loving voice, just as much as you heard the critical voice, actually. But it'll always say loving and kind things to you. It'll always be empowering. And those will be the words that you hear. And so those will be the words that you'll be able to share with others on a regular basis. Oh, I love it. Can you share? I know we've just got about three minutes left. Can you share, Christina, the website and what? There's a lot of resources available on the website. Can you help the listeners know how they can reach out to you and find out more about what you're working on? Yes, they can reach out to us at www.themindisthemap.com. That's our book site. We are just opening or just opened a school in New York City. It's an online school, but our offices are down there. And it's called eudaimonia.com. And uh, when you follow either site, you'll start to see classes that are coming up there. We've actually put a workbook together as well uh, for our readers to help them on their journey, sort of like a personal journal. And uh, we have chapter workshops taking 
uh, any of those who want to go deeper, chapter by chapter, into actual workshop sessions where you work with others uh, online and in groups. And that we hope you'll find that enjoyable. Oh, that's wonderful. That's all at themindisthemap.com. Christina, thank you so much for being on the show. I feel a little better. It it started out with me in complete no control at all and my subconscious <laughs> running the show, and I'm feeling a little better. So thank you <laughs> for being thank on the show. Thank you so much, Karen, for having me on. It was a great show. Thank you so much. Thank you, Christina. That's Christina Reeves. She is the co-author with Demetrius Spanos of The Mind is the Map. Awareness is the compass and emotional intelligence is the key to living mindfully from the heart. That's the name of the book. And you can find that book and a lot more information at themindisthemap.com. There are classes. There's all kinds of stuff available to you there. So go over and check it out. Themindisthemap.com. You're always welcome over at karenhager.com. Wonderful place to check out upcoming classes and events. New classes posted all the time. So be sure you check out the classes page and you're invited always to openpeacefulheart.com. What's there? Well, every the first Sunday of every month, we gather for a free 15-minute guided meditation where we focus on peace in our hearts and peace in the world. See, I believe that when we focus our attention on something, we can change it. If you believe that, take 15 minutes the first Sunday of next month and join us over at openpeacefulheart.com. Also on that website, you'll find archived meditations. So anytime you need a little bit of extra peace, you can go in there and just click on one of those past meditations. It's all at openpeacefulheart.com. And thank you for listening today. Together, we are spreading a little more light in the world. And a little more light is always a good thing. Until next time, I'm wishing you peace. Peace.